You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. Thank you for logging on to Thank You for Your Servers. I'm Thaddeus Preston, a.k.a. Nick Way. I'm joined again by Gary Guthrie. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. All right. This is your almost weekly rant about the tech topics of the week from a liberty-ish perspective. This and other podcasts are brought to you by the Make Liberty Great Again network of podcasts. And we're ready to go. Let's do it. So, (laughs) RIP Windows 7. Bye-bye. Poor little out, ladies and gentlemen, for Windows 7. uh, To start off the new year and the new decade, Microsoft is finally telling people who were big fans of its most successful operating system since Windows 95, that on January 14th, Microsoft officially ended free support for Windows 7. Again, this has been Microsoft's most stable and successful OS probably ever since the debacle of of Windows Vista, and we all remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So the article that I uh, kind of picked up from this was kind of the uh, Verge article. And basically, it says Windows 7 became so popular, in fact, that it took Windows 10 nearly four years just to pass it in market share. So every t- era, even today, millions of PCs are still running Windows 7. Uh, and the operating system still runs on a massive 26% of all PCs, according to the data by the net market share uh, from that market share. Microsoft spent years trying to get people to upgrade. Now they're just going to make it extremely cost prohibitive, particularly if for volume licensees to maintain, at least from a security standpoint and a stability standpoint, Windows 7. Um, I know you have tales and exploits about your, uh, I guess, your movement and migration over to Windows 10. I think me and you both have been pleasantly surprised by Microsoft's recent focus to downplay the need for these big operating system upgrades and more focus on the services. I'm, you know, this has caused me a lot of consternation at work, but I mean, this has been a pretty good and successful operating system that people are retiring. And I think it's definitely the last major kind of release we're going to get from Microsoft. Yeah, I get why they're doing it. And and it is causing me a little bit of a headache because, you know, I deal in software development and, you know, we have to support testing and uh, QA on operating systems that are still in demand, whether or not they're supported. So, um, it, it, I want honestly in my environment, I've wanted to get rid of it forever. Right. Uh, since Windows 10 basically took the stage, um, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. I cut over to it, but the reality of it is. A lot of people still use it, uh, you know, and they use old versions of Internet Explorer still if they can, you know, it. it yeah, I have mixed feelings about this. Um, but honestly, from a pure IT management standpoint, I think it's this is good. This is good. It's going to make things more stable. It's going to make things more consistent. And it's yeah. going to, you know, sorry, people who are uh, stuck on Windows 7, but it's going bye-bye <laughs> yeah that's true and if for some odd reason you are stubborn and in, in the enterprise and be absolutely positively refuse to update from windows 7 enterprise to windows 10 uh to get extended updates for windows 7 enterprise you'll have to pay 25 dollars per machine the cost then doubles the next year in 2021 and then it doubles again in 2022 um so it, it they're, they're really, really pushing you to, hey, please get off Windows 7. We really don't want to support it long term. And this well, is just and this is just not what Microsoft is going to be doing anymore. No longer are we going to have, you know, the spectacle of a numbered release for Windows anymore. 
And um, I think we should probably get used to that fact. And I think it, it, and it continues to solidify what me and you have said. It's just like they've moved away from that paradigm. Their future is in software as a service and cloud services for the enterprise. That is where yeah, they but, want to go. But they're not stupid either. I mean, the, the whole cost structure of continuing support for it, I can tell you for a fact, the Metrolink trains as, or as late as last year were still using Windows XP operating system on their ticketing machines. Um, yeah. And I know that because one of them crashed and was stuck on the splash screen for Windows XP um, when we went to try to buy a ticket for the train. <laughs> There's something to be said about something that's stable and that it might be overall um, development, uh, um, what is it, development pipeline for updating software for new hardware and um, new a new underlying OS can for some organizations, particularly poorly run government organizations, be cost yep. prohibitive. It's why um, if you go to any government website and you're in, sometimes it's not working quite well with Chrome or not working quite well with um, Safari or whatever. If you happen to have an old version of Internet Explorer and you go to said government website, it has a tendency to work very, very well. And you know what? Just not have the incentive to like make it better because it's just just cost prohibitive for them. It's 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 kind of funny that you mentioned that last week, late last week. I went, uh, I was looking up the uh, new proposed Virginia legislation. Of course, Virginia's, you know. In the, in the news, news. now for the for yeah. the big boogaloo or whatever for the boogaloo that didn't happen. <laughs> it's just it's just a good old fashioned protest. <laughs> but uh, but um, I, yeah, and even and not to get too far off topic, but even CNN was reporting it as peaceful and no incidents, no arrests, you know, whatever. Anyway, Shocker. I was I went on to their uh, their legislative website, you know, upcoming bills and uh, things like this, and. One of the ones I was looking up was the one where they're looking at outlawing um, indoor shooting ranges for um, basically unless 90% of the clientele are law enforcement or it's owned by the government. Essentially, government wants to take over all shooting ranges, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, back to the tech side of it, I went to their website and look for it. I didn't even spot it. I pulled up the website in Chrome and just like what you're saying, this thing was coming up with all kinds of warnings. Hey, this isn't secure. This isn't secure. They haven't upgraded their website from TLS 1.0 to TLS. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, government of Virginia is still running an insecure and, uh, protocol for, for, uh, the security handshake with known exploits. Um, as a as a former resident of the great Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, this is the, this is still the same Virginia that has you know government owned liquor stores. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's funny, right? Because you know the headquarters for the Atlantic Fleet is out of Norfolk. Some of the yep. best um, you know uh, uh, government tech. Or you know, government contractors are out there because between the the nuclear powered uh, vessels, the submarines, um, you know, Langley Air Force Base and stuff like that. Oh, not to mention the cryptography and the you know the, oh, yeah. the communications Patience. and the spy works that go on there. I got. I mean, yeah, particularly in um, you know Northern Virginia, right? Yeah, yeah, like it it it's it's a wonder. This is like, wait a minute, then why you guys literally have like talent everywhere someone can someone can go in there and update your certificates or something like that man come on and man. it's I mean, and it's not even and it's not even rocket science right i mean it's it's a it's a setting essentially yeah <laughs> exactly right so on that same note when talking about incompatibility browsers and whatnot the other big story that was going to is happening is the edge browser which was you know oh yeah as, yeah. Their, as their new and improve yes we're going to compete with chrome well, about a year ago, they decided, eh, we're not going to do that. We're just going to basically grab a fork to Chromium project and just build our own um, and build a, a, an open source, uh, build on this open source project and just build like the Chrome, uh, and build the Chrome browser. We're just going to call it like, you know, 
Chromium Edge. Um, right. The, <laughs> so basically, like, Google wins yet again, or more importantly, open source wins yet again. Yeah, um, right. And so they're going to embrace all the things, the Blink rendering engine that the Google uses. Um, they're going to get rid of their Edge HTML. They're going to go with V8 for JavaScript engine. Um, yeah, they're just like, yeah, why waste the resources when there's an open source project in the community out there that actually knows how to do that? This browser is much more compliant. Um, yeah, they're getting out of that business. And so yep. the article that you have in the show notes, well, I will actually need to include in the show notes, kind of breaks down the business case for if you're at the if you're in the enterprise moving to or at least testing out Chromium Edge. And again, yet again, we're leaving the vestiges of the closed source nature, the closed source past of Microsoft. And we're just like, they're just like, yeah, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, and so uh, that's, this is, this is again, so there's something to be said, right? Last year was a pivotal year for Microsoft. I feel last year they made the transition that they needed to make into a cloud inter- enterprise cloud provider and a provider of tools that allow you to interact with that cloud provider. Their purchase of GitHub and basically not only embracing open source, but like buying one of its largest repositories. As well as the fact of just getting into, you know, AI big time, really pushing money into research, getting into the quantum computing game, and and now moving to a much more subscription-based model. There's no wonder that it is, as we'll, we'll discuss in a later story, they are part of the trillion-dollar valuation corporation. I mean, Microsoft was dead in the water 10 years ago. And now look at them now, about to start eating in to Amazon's lunch. And they've, I wouldn't say they've surpassed Google because they, they do a lot of things. They don't do a lot of things as good as Google um, when it comes to, in my opinion, uh, um, services and, and, you know, to a lesser extent, like consumer facing services that we kind of live with every day. You know, they don't have, there's nothing equivalent to Google Maps on the Microsoft side. Big right. Maps, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but like, Cloud-wise, they have not only like surpassed Google. Um, I mean, they not they not only match Google in that in that in, in the um, in the technical specs, but they it's soon they're going to surpass them. And no one ever gets fired for buying Microsoft or Microsoft services, um, as the old adage used to go for IBM. And they have the ed- they have the end with the enterprise, you know. And then of course there's a new Xbox coming out. We're gonna go into our CES Geek Fest, <laughs> and, uh, and they they're 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 taking a much more measured approach to cloud gaming or streaming gaming than the ill-fated Stadia, which I've heard mixed reviews about Google Stadia, but they've definitely overpromised and underdelivered. Where XCloud has not really promised much, but kind of delivered piece by piece, incrementally what they want to do as well as showing new hardware at CES for their next generation console. But that said, I think we should geek out. It's time to geek out now on everything. So CES just has come and gone. And there were some cool things. There were some ridiculous things. But it wasn't all, um, it wasn't all like weird services, sex toys, and stuff like that. Though, you know, they were putting... AI and all the things, even the sex toys. Um, yeah, that... <laughs> I know, right? I don't, I don't get it. I think we've jumped <laughs> the shark there. Um, <laughs> weird things like Sony introducing a car, which was much more of a concept platform for kind of, you know, its infotainment and its inter- and all the technologies, right? Because Sony isn't simply an entertainment company. Um, and stuff there, they are a technology company probably. And so this, the introduction of the Sony car concept, car, autonomous vehicle, electric, whatever, was just to kind of show that, Hey, we actually are a pretty big tech company and we, there's going to be a lot of our technologies in a lot of these, uh, self-driving cars, but I, I don't, I don't know how we're going to do this. There's a lot on the list. Uh, <laughs> Of yeah, <laughs> you know, I I went through. I kind of 
I kind of saw a couple of things. One of the things that stood out to me, you know, and it, it it's kind of the, I, I don't know if it's a natural progression of IoT stuff, but this they've got this new device and it, it hit home with me because I'm a DIYer at home. I like doing home improvements, like doing the stuff myself. I like saving the money. And uh, they've got some weird device that just came out um, by a company called Finn. P-H-Y-N. Okay. Uh, this thing attaches to some pipes in your house and it detects very small um, fluctuations in pressure on the pipes. Helps you identify whether there are leaks that are happening or, you know, there's overuse happening on a particular circuit, whatever. And this is the kind of thing where I live, you know, we have a lot of um, problems with the chemistry in the soil not going well with the copper piping, and you get a house that's 50 years old, slab leaks are so prevalent that there's a cottage industry that's sprung up just to handle leak detection and um, remediation, right? Mm-hmm. So just last year, for example, I, I was looking at my water bill I used twice as much water in December last year than I did this year because around the April, May timeframe, my neighbor complained that her driveway was flooded. And it turns out I had a very small pinhole leak in my, one of my pipes that was soaking the ground to the point where it was so oversaturated, it was just overflowing into a river on her driveway. This device that came out at CES this year would have helped to identify, Hey, there's a problem and you probably need to take a look at your plumbing because something weird is going on. So I don't know that that was one that just kind of stuck out to me. That was, I mean, it's 299 bucks and it would have saved me probably $400 in water charges. And it's cool. The thing about this new technology is it's just putting machine learning in everything and now we're starting to see it being less gimmicky and being more useful particularly for more consumer facing products so right you know the the unofficial show title of this particular episode is ai in all the thing pitting ai in all the things is really actually quite true um yeah. the advances in um, semiconductor production that allow more densely populated um, special purpose uh, chips that are designed specifically for, you know, inference at edge devices in this instance on, you know, these cool new appliances on these new IOT appliances that are going to connect to each other, that are going Mm -hmm. to then create a environment that is very um, multimodal. And that is basically combining all types of modalities to give you a good picture of leaks, right? Because that could combine all kinds of sensors um, that yep. can do that can do that a machine learning algorithm will be able to come bring together to come to a conclusion or an or to infer like, hey, there might be a water leak here, and here are the three pieces of data that kind of point to that. A lot of the AI uh, technologies that people are worried about are combining things like radar, uh, cameras, um, sniff sensor, you know, chemical sensors and stuff like that to, you know, build these, uh, a threat model, right? I mean, there, I saw a demonstration from lots of companies and this was kind of, I think this was a New York times article or, or a New York, I think a New York times video from CES about like all these sensors being combined to not only do threat detection, but like, hey, keep an eye on you when you're driving. You know, it's looking at your face. It's, you know, analyzing body temperature. It's looking at the environment around you. And these things are getting smarter and smarter and smarter. It's even in, um, I've seen, well, obviously CES is, everyone wants to know what the big new TV will be. There are lots of HK, uh, 8K HDR screens and 4K Mm -hmm. Uh, HDR screens, but also there's 
Dolby Vision, which is Dolby Vision IQ, which is basically machine learning and using all the sensors around it to optimize the picture it shows you. And you see this in everything that's being presented at CES. Um, um, a, to, what is it? What was the one thing here I was very excited about, even though it's kind of silly for home appliance wise, the Juno cooler. And basically, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a countertop friendly appliance that will chill a can of beer in about two minutes. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. Um, you know, I, I rarely have cold beer around, or, or, I mean, warm beer around, but let's say I do pick up something, you know, because, you know, sometimes you can, you got to eat, pick up like a six pack of Paps Blue Ribbon, but it's not in the fridge. And so it's out, you know, in the, on the, in, you know, in the storefront. And so you just, Right. Ah, just pick it up. It's warm, right? So it's not cold. So hey, man, you just come home, toss that bad boy in the in this thing for two minutes. Come out, man. You got yourself a nice chill can of the bubbly or the ripple or the good <laughs> stuff. Um. So I'm very, very. I don't know why I was very, very excited about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. AKTVs. That's awesome too. Um. But colder beer. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's where it's at. Give me cold beer and a cribbage board, man. I don't need Ooh. no TV. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, man. Hey, my brother-in-law has a dartboard and like a pool table, so yeah. Yeah, that's where that it's was, at. That's that. Exactly where it's at. <laughs> so also the big thing I kept seeing is like these new, the smaller displays on these phones having these very high refresh rates, and also like there was a gaming um, monitor that Nvidia. I don't know if it was Nvidia had produced it, uh, introduced it or not, where it was just like. It had like this 360 hertz refresh rate. I'm like, what in the? Why do you? I don't know. I don't know why you need that. That Can the human eye even determine the difference at that point? I don't. Well, apparently like gamers really like it. Um, Yeah, it was NVIDIA. Gamers really like it, particularly competitive gamers. And the thing is, though, you... You're pushing that you're that faster refresh rate. I mean, I would think you need, oh, oh man, on the bus like gigabit gigabytes of data moving across these new graphics cards. I don't know; these new graphics cards are pretty supercomputer like, and I think we've discussed in past uh, past episodes like the the latest versions of AMD and NVIDIA chips are about as fast as some of the supercomputers from like the late '90s, early 2000s, but right. on a chip. So, yeah. Maybe you are moving that kind of data, man. But I mean, could you imagine a 360 hertz refresh rate HDR 4 to 8K? I mean, what game? I mean, you would need like a 20 terabyte like server to just serve the amount of data necessary. And then you got to. I grew grew up on Doom, okay? (laughs) And I'm still satisfied with Doom. I don't know that I need anything. I mean, okay. Flight Simulator, I got, I, I'll nerd out on that a little bit now and then, but it's more, yeah. it's more about the puzzle for me than it is the. Well, which know, is, which is, which is funny. That's why a lot of um hand, you know, these these mobile games are just that's what they. I mean, that's why they're so popular. They have really, you know, two things going for them that I see from the people in my life that use them. They're repetitive, or they're, uh, you know, mentally stimulating. Um, right. Something to do in downtime. And so, yeah, I, I, it's all right. I'm down with that. Um, <laughs> the, other, the other thing I'm seeing here is, you know, rollable OLED TVs. Yeah, that's, that doesn't mean anything for me. Um, I don't really care too much about another big TV. Like, I just got my 4K TV. Uh, I'm just um, looking at, you know, there's not a lot of 4K content out there that exists now. Like, you know, now they got 8K you know, screens and stuff. Even my internet connection won't be able to do justice to 8K HDR. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't see the point. I'm the still. Point in it. I'm still waiting for 3D to come out, so my 2011 <laughs> TV will work. <laughs> Whatever happened to that? I remember there was. I think at CES 2010, 2009 or 2010, like 3D TV was everywhere and you know what i swear i i I am still impressed i'll put on the 3d glass because they've got to be the the ones that sync up with the tv and everything oh okay i know what you're talking about those are and it is absolutely amazing if you can find the content to go on it but um 
Nah, I don't think I'm, it's going to happen. I remember when ESPN had like a 3D channel and stuff. I, I assume they discontinued that. I probably. We should we could dedicate an entire episode to of technologies that have come and gone from CES. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like, and just pour some out, right? Yeah, right. Just pour a little <laughs> out for it, right? I mean, now you know you see a little bit of that this year with the AIing of all the things, but I mean, a lot of that stuff is not that far off. I mean, I've been going to conferences, you know, since in, over the last two years, um, particularly for national instruments, but like really on the test side where, you know, people are making smaller and smaller and testing smaller and smaller chips. And they're putting more and more smarts in smaller, smaller devices from locks to sensors, to cars, to drones, to cameras, to whatever. And they're putting more intelligence and inference at the edges. And that's what we saw this year more than anything else from cameras to other stuff. I mean, even headphones, have you know a machine learning algorithm in there that's going to tailor using you know um, you know kind of ultrasonic technology i, I gotta get that story it was very interesting but basically they're just they put them in your ear you open up the app sync the app on your phone to these earbuds and then they will basically tailor tailor make the audio for your ear so if you hear better in the left versus the right it'll tailor that i think the apple i think the apple airpods do that too um hmm. that's that's machine learning, you know, um, taking advantage of, of, of what's out there. Um, we're going to get Vizio OLEDs, which means I might be able to afford one soon. We're going to get, um, what the hell is a four moms, mama Roo sleep bassinet? I guess it automatically cut, you know, I don't know. I don't think it's, yeah, yeah. anything, it, anything that it claims to like comfort your kid for lies, you I, lies utter, total utter lies, lies. i've had i've had three kids i know <laughs> yes I, we've you know i've what? had kids grandkids little nieces little nephews Th- they'll take things that you think will help them walk or whatever like you, what are those things like the not the bassinets but the thing that swings kind of like a that you can put them in and in the i think i forgot what the, it was called. the swing yeah, I, I think that, yeah, like, yeah, it's such a boo. You're talking about the swing? Yeah, so yeah, whatever that thing is, I mean, we kept our girls in there until they were too heavy. Like, the, the, the actuator and the motor was actually straining because they're getting heavy. <laughs> and, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, those, and that's not specifically what it was designed for. No, um, no. And so, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, yeah, all these technologies out there, it's just like, come on, you, you lazy. You lazy professional women, you lazy parents, you yeah. too must deal with the heartache of not of sleep deprivation and stuff like that. Pick your baby up, swaddle your damn babies, and, and deal yeah, with it because exactly. your mama and your daddy had to do that to you. Take lazy ass kids today, man, I swear. <laughs> um, of course, there's new gaming laptops coming out. I think AMD stepping into the game. Um, yes, there's this uh, smart water assistant. Is that what you're talking about? That's the smart water. It says, yeah, the, the yeah, leak yeah. detection. And, oh, dude, uh, that is so dope. It's it, crazy, that would be, right? That's worth almost a grand. Um, it's 300 bucks. Oh, wait, what? Oh, crap. Oh, the yeah. Old, they, they the old version was 850. Version. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> yes. I mean, anything to make my life more easier, right? It's um, Anything I guess that gives more- me visibility to what's going on in my home which ultimately costs me money. Mm. You know? That's why these mm. IoT things, the Nest thermostats, um, even letting big daddy government come in and like meter your stuff. Like if it's going to save me money, hook a brother up. But there's things you can do now without having to let big brother like look at your electricity usage that you can bring down your electricity usage simply by installing. Um, I saw a... Um, a circuit breaker that was like had embedded in it like all these sensors that are sensing all your, your current draws and you know um whether or mm-hmm. not you're reaching reaching a threshold for your breaker to trip it's it's all your elect- uh, electrical usage it's breaking everything down it's there's an app that you use to interface with it and stuff is that that like, thing that you you install in your circuit breaker box correct okay yeah i've seen that thing that thing is dope um and uh, of course, 
um, no, it's gotten to, it's getting to be kind of a thing now. Food tech when it comes to CES this year, it's Impossible Pork. What? Yeah, yeah, plant based product that emulates pork. Apparently, mm. it's not that bad. I'm always okay. willing to try a little bit of Impossible anything. You know, these plant based meats, even though they use a lot of soy, but. I'm willing to try them once or twice. Like I gave the Impossible Whopper two, three tries. I've I've had it three times. Uh, it's okay, right? I know you know when you know what the real thing tastes like. You don't you know you're not real gung ho about it. It's you know when you go to Burger King, the thing about the Impossible Whopper is you get a possible Impossible Whopper with cheese. It's almost six dollars. There's a there's a special going on right now at Burger King where you get two Whoppers for six bucks. Okay. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not going to go for the impossible whopper um the novelty wore off because i've had I've, I've ate you know impossible burgers i've had like four i've had like five over the course of you know my short life is trying to eat healthier but um yeah they're not i mean it's nothing i'm gonna do on a regular basis uh, yeah. but yeah but now we got pork so okay there well. you go man yeah, but it might be worth a try. I suppose. I mean, I, I'm willing to try it, right? I mean, I'm not. I'm not one of these militant carnivore yeah. types, even though I like my meat. Um, but you know, I'm willing to give it a try. And also, this year at CE at, at the CES is Google Assistant. Um, they're going to be coming out with a bunch of new features for their Google Assistant: the ability to set up schedules, scheduled actions, the ability uh, to in- integrate more smart devices in the home. I can tell you, man, like between Mm. Alexa um, and Google Home, uh, I go over to my brother-in-law's house. He yells at his uh, Google Home thing to turn on the back lights because he has like these Wi-Fi enabled things in the plugs that cut on living room lights. He can, you know, look at, you know, look at, you know, look at certain cameras and stuff like that. That that stuff is that stuff is actually hit mainstream, man. It's become really, really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, it's we and we had that I, discussion right about doing it yourself versus you know what we have now and what we give up in as a result of that you know in the in the right. sense of in the ring expose that we went over. Um, yep. But it's so easy to set this stuff up, even if you are DIY and you can lock it down better. Um, you can build the equivalent of Alexa, Google Home stuff by just a little bit of some code, some Raspberry Pis. And just a, re- a reliable wireless network. Well, even can... the even the even the the security system that I'm working on right now for my house, you know, this camera system, I'm using uh, Blue Iris software to manage it. It's got scripting engines that you can, uh, you know, you can output stuff automatically. You can cast things to Google Chromecast if you want to look at your security system on your TV, whatever. I mean, even even these homegrown things have so many hooks. Yeah. into all these other systems it you you can basically engineer whatever you want in your house or your business or whatever mm-hmm. and um and get it up and running within a really short period of time now the, you still have to be very technical you know to do but this yeah, my my mom enough. is not going to script it but yeah right <laughs> right i mean it's it still takes if you really love this stuff and now, you know, it's an after, it's a, mor- a morning and mid afternoon activity, but right. you know, once it gets up and running, it's pretty, pretty damn cool. It's Other sweet. things that it will be, uh, it, we will have uh, the ability to leave notes. Um, so Google Assistant will take over the chore for you of leaving notes. Assistant will be able to create a sticky note on any compatible smart display that will be visible to anyone in the house without reading, without needing to sign into the Google account. That's kind of cool. Um, you do that for the kids. Speed dial, obviously, the ability to just put people on your basically your uh, speed dial list. Um, and then reading online content, its ability to read a page. I assume the page has to be AMP formatted or formatted properly, but that's also kind of cool. So this is an accessibility feature, right? So uh, it, it I, honestly, I don't, be. I don't want it reading websites to me, but. Yeah, um, just, I could is... see this being a very powerful tool for blind people, or you know, yeah, no, I mean, we yes, to prevent at least um, frivolous lawsuits from people. 
<laughs> with accessibility well, issues. <laughs> so. Yeah, don't get me started on that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> now, there's a whole episode to that, ladies and gentlemen. We went over um, the yes, pros and the cons did. of it. You know, we actually did, we actually gave the case a lot a lot of merit, and we we asked a lot of questions about whether or not that yeah. you know, this was something that could be done, should be done. Um, it's all always a good practice. Um, but yeah, that yeah. Uh, go back to that episode. I don't even remember what episode that was. Um, it was a few back. It was a, quite a few back. Other news coming from CES this year, Uber and Hyundai on their, you know, updating and showing an actual full-size concept uh, mock-up of their flying taxi that Google and Hyundai yes. want to start deploying yes. in 2023. It's about <laughs> time. I want my damn flying cars. And not my yeah, I want a flying car and not 160 characters. God dang it. Jeez. <laughs> Come on, man. The Jetsons had it. We can have it. So the flying car market is starting to get pretty lively, according to this uh, Tech Radar article. Last year, Boeing began test flights to test the safety of the Boeing Nex, an electric aircraft with passenger pods designed to travel up to 50 miles. I guess Bell Helicopter unveiled one called the Bell Nexus. So this this might be a thing, but, you know, a couple years ago, autonomous cars are going to be a thing. Here's hoping that we keep pushing this forward because... I mean, you live in Southern California, and you've complained about your your commute, and you're going to you're going to move to like taking a you know riding a bike or an electric yeah you know, yeah you bought an electric bike. Um, I worry for your safety on the streets, but you know if it's gonna yeah. if it's uh, gonna get you if it's gonna get you to work in about the same reasonable amount of time, or at least a much more reasonable time. I mean, why whip around a heavy vehicle? Um, right. And so, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Uh, again, there's no demonstrations <laughs> of, yeah. the, of the flying taxis. Maybe next year CES they'll actually do that. Um, also, I guess Samsung w- was, you know, giving us hints about the, their, their uh, new SX, whatever, I think, S, what do you, S10 and Note 10, I guess. Um, uh, this is since I think it was an article about the S10 Lite. And Note 10 Lite. Um, this is going to have, like, I guess, an amazing screen. It's going to be one of these these handheld devices that are going to have these insane refresh rates. I am curious to see how that manifests itself on a mobile device and also battery. And, um, yeah, I don't, I can't think of anything else. I mean, Samsung said oh, a, a new bezel-free OLED 8K television. Um you're rich, Gary, so that might be something you buy next year. Uh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> You're in a one percent. I, I don't know about that. But I'm in the five percent. I'm looking for more for the. I'm looking more for the uh, for the LG than the uh, Samsung because I don't got I don't got Samsung money like you. I got LG money, maybe with the roll up screen. Um, <laughs> and but, the, I, I I did see Samsung has a a new uh, Galaxy Chromebook. Is that the foldable one? That. It's well, I don't know if it's no, it's not because there's the Galaxy like, Book Flex that they came out with, and the, the no, now no, I did no, see the Galaxy is, Chromebook, but that thing's a grand, isn't it? It's a grand, yeah. <laughs> for 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 Chrome, no nah, man, for give me Windows, Chromebook. give me Windows Ten, man. I mean, just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it, you know, I'm not going to spend a thousand dollars on a system I can't develop on, right? And I know we live in the we were praising um, Visual Studio Code, you know, online a couple of days ago or a couple few episodes back but i'm not quite ready to do that yet um <laughs> i and so i i still have this this dream that i will eventually write some code on my desk on my well now laptop i don't i don't think anyone has desktops anymore hardly i need to buy one but i mean yeah but dude a thousand dollars for a Chromebook, <laughs> right, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the the statement is there, but they they came out with one. So I mean, it's it's a lot of power under the hood, right? But am I going to be yeah. able to record my podcast? Am I going to be able to transcode audio? Well, am I, be... I mean, it's let's see, it's 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 Chromebook Linux, of course. Um, so I have to hack it. Three pounds. You you would. Um. 16 gigs of RAM, one terabyte SSD. Yes. No, that is that thing's a beast. 4K even if it was a laptop. Screen. I think it'd be a beast so, as a laptop. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> I mean, I would actually if I if 
for that amount of money, if it were a conventional laptop, I would, I would strongly consider it. I would absolutely consider it. Um, yeah. I think uh, there's an AM, there's a, there's a AMD short, uh, what, a smart shift uh, 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 gaming laptop, but I don't game. Um, and in the day and age, if Google Stadia and or xCloud or, you know, PlayStation, you know, play PlayStation now and stuff really start kicking off, then I, you know, do I really need a gaming anything? I am, I'm, I'm willing to attest that, uh, I, I think that these, and this was the CES where we actually got hints at the new PlayStation five with this, with its very unoriginal logo and the Xbox series or something like that which is basically these are both the next generation consoles that will be released this year actually this is a console year man mm. like a leap like a leap year it's a console year so there's something to be very very excited about so we're gonna see this summer in june right because isn't um e3 in june in your neck of the woods don't know don't know well, we're gonna to see those up. two battle it out this year because they're both talking about 2020 Christmas releases for the new next-generation Xbox and the next-generation PlayStation 5. Very unoriginal title. Um, I mean, these, and I think these are these consoles that are going to push 4K HDR to the extreme. Because I know both of those consoles are going to have enough graphic processing power to push insane refresh rates to gaming uh, uh, monitors and just regular monitors, and they're going to have a heavy cloud component when it comes to delivery of, at, at the very least, delivery of other aspects of the game. I know for a long time, and when the Xbox, uh, when the Xbox came out, a lot of their games required you to be connected to Xbox Live and Azure because they were doing a lot of the game AI, enemy AI offline. And they were actually rendering some of the stuff offline. So actually mm. using cloud computing resources to like render some of the uh, scenes. Um, we're going right. to see more and more of that. And we're definitely going to see streaming gaming. These are, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I was wrong about the Tennessee Titans, even though I thought they should have won. Uh, they looked like they were going to win, but that's another story. But I'm going to go out on a limb on a prediction. And I'm going to say that this year, this Christmas, this leap year is the last year we will get consoles wow this Old. is the last console generation mark wow. my words marked uh, fam <laughs> famous last words so uh we can geek out some more on ces i think the last thing i i want to kind of talk about about ces is that the um u.s chief technology officer michael Kratz was it Kratz kratzios that's very okay Greek. Whatever. So he had a sit down at CES um, as well. He was talking to some, looks like some guys from Wired. And basically he was saying, look, um, the principles for government oversight, um, light touch in regulating AI. Right. Um, and I think uh, Sindar Pichai actually did come out and said, yes, there needs to be regulation. But he says, caveat, reasonable. Right. So uh -huh. everybody wants right to regulate AI because we have raised an entire generation of people that thinks the government should regulate everything. The government's not going to regulate AI. The government is not going to create an AI regulatory framework that's going to be liked by everyone. Be exact, they will most likely screw it up. Um, it is good to hear from a, granted, guys, this is a Republican White House that talks a good game about light regulation and the Trump administration has been relatively light on the regulatory front. Light touch is what you need. I mean, that is the Ajit Pai um, philosophy, right? And look, we talked about what happened in the last 10 years when it comes to internet access, despite the fact that we didn't get our beloved net neutrality. I, I think the chief technology officer who speaks for the White House speaks Carefully, and I think he understands that, you know, a little government, as little government interference is, is possible and or as necessary. Sounds good to me. Um, it's not like you're going to be able to do anything about it. Only people in the West tend to think that follow principles of regulatory frameworks. Um, tell that to the Uyghurs in 
you know, Western China about regulating AI, privacy, facial recognition, and stuff like that. Um, your rules mean nothing if your government says, nah, screw that. And as long as the company's willing to sell them that technology, the technological terror that we always talk about, regulation on the West is, is to me, it's meaningless. It's always been meaningless. It's platitudes. It's words. Because yeah, it me is. and you could come up with the most nefarious deep fake AI in the world. Um, and we can collaborate across borders and we can deploy it where we want. You know, what stops us? Um, you know, sense of, I mean, honor, um, you know, scouts honor. I, I don't know. What stops us? It, this this well, is what this is what I've never understood about yeah. people trying to regulate technologies. Right. Um, you know, and it's funny, it's we've come a long way in Silicon Valley where I can remember ooh, when the PlayStation uh two first came out and it had very fast the cell processors were very fast and had the ability that if you ganged a bunch of cell processors together from all the PlayStation twos out from from a bunch of PlayStation twos, you could break AES encryption. And so the government mm -hmm. attempted to regulate how many, what, how many, you know, tried to regulate like the PlayStation twos, and it's like, <laughs> wait, what? Um, because of because of, because of encryption standards, all right? <laughs> That's because crazy. Be, because of the processing power that required, and like, oh, well, well, these things should break encryption. Yeah, so they whatever. tried to regulate how many you could. They tried to regulate the export of them. Oh, the export. Gotcha. Um, and, and it's just like, wait, what? It, it doesn't make any sense, right? Because it, it's, first of all, like, Sony's a Japanese company. So, and so, so the fact of the matter is I don't understand how that was going to happen, being that most of the fabs <laughs> were in Asia. All right, let's, let's ignore that fact. We could probably dig deep into the history of that. But how are you going to stop this, right? I mean, just like Bitcoin, just like the blockchain, just like uber just like all these things and like there was a time when silicon valley was raw raw was raw raw about man the government shouldn't regulate you know technology they can't stop technology to an entire generation of tech press it's just like well you know the government really does need to step in here before what i mean academics well academics always make that argument because academics are sheltered and stupid um but it's it's people in the tech press that you know, we're cheering Apple for not handing over, like, the phone of the, which killer was it that, um, the Pulse? Oh, was it, yeah, yeah, Was it the Pulse nightclub shooter or uh, something? Oh, no, no, no. It was, I, it was the San Bernardino killers. Yes. 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 I mean, in Silicon Valley, it was like, Apple doesn't have to do that. And now I actually see sympathetic articles. Well, maybe Apple should. And because this is unique evil. I, and I don't get it. Didn't they just refuse to break another phone? Correct. Um, and you know, that was in it, the news just in the yes. last couple of weeks, right? And in my opinion, they're still in the right for not doing it. I, you, I agree with you. If 100%. the government wants to do it, hey, man, the government has just as many tech spooks, just as many tech spooks as Silicon Valley has technologists. They can find a way to get into it if they really need to. Yeah. The onus should be on the state to, like, do this stuff. Um, right. The onus should be on the state to break into systems if they have to. It shouldn't be up to companies to, you know, um, through sheer extortion, um, open up back doors and, and, and source code that basically mitigates the security that these companies are being browbeaten into implement. The first company that opens up a back door that gets exploited by someone else that causes a data breach, and then you have you know, stupid attorney generals wanting to sue and wanting to do all this. But in the one hand, they are sworn to secrecy about how the exploit happened. Yes, the exploit happened because the federal government told us we needed to have a backdoor exploit. But on the front end, you have to say, we're sorry. We don't know what happened, this and that. It's just a catch-22 to be a company. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, all this stuff, man. You just see it. And you're just like, oh, God, I feel sorry for any company. That's big today. And yeah. so it's good to hear from the White House representative that they're going to be light touch on regulation because, God, they are bad on a lot of other regulations. Case in point, my poor daughter can't buy a cigarette. Next, 
story. <laughs> um, um, speaking of big, a new milestone, another company, has, another tech company in general, has joined the trillion dollar market cap club. So search giant Google is the fourth to hit the $1 trillion market cap at a price that closed, well, this is, it, they closed on Friday, basically the week that they achieved the trillion dollar market cap mark at about well, $1,479.52. Uh, they crossed that milestone at approximately 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday. Um, this is a, this is a big deal, right? I mean, so if you take Alphabet, Microsoft, Apple, until lesser, uh, the, the, those three together are worth three point six trillion, and we're not even talking about Amazon, which is in that category as well. Um, right, dude. This you know, um, it's it's crazy. Um, this is just you know, this is the time when you know now Sindar Pichai has ascended to the throne. Of big Google and Alphabet because he is now um, CEO of Google and Alphabet. Larry Page and Sergey Brin stepped back. That was uh, mm-hmm. that happened at the end of last year. Um, and so, I guess the article I kind of pulled this from is you know is you know giving them a little bit of a th- you know giving them a pat on the back for being such a big company. But they also said it's been a bumpy couple years at the company that include allegations of sexual misconduct by executives in a 200 and a 20,000 person Google walkout employee protest. Well, here's what happened, right? We discussed this like, again in the past too. Google has basically started purging those people because Google is back right. into trying to make some money. Yep. Um, Sindar Bachai, I may not agree with his Eastern way of looking at things, but I do agree with the fact that he has taken over like with a pure iron fist um and like his like look man we make money right we we make search and ai and and mobile stuff and we make stuff we do stuff we sell ads that's what we do your activism can can get the get the f out of here you know yep and um the company has is i i suspect now that uh sendar has now ascended to absolute power within alphabet i guess you're going to see a lot of this kind of activism within the company eliminated and this company is going to start firing on all cylinders it's going to start making it's going to start making money and getting back to what it does because google is at the forefront of a lot of different things autonomous vehicles deep mind when it comes to ai and machine learning Quantum computing when it comes to that. Life sciences stuff, right? They actually do. They still have one of their Google X companies that is all about life science stuff, prolonging life and curing disease and stuff like that. You know, they have Google Fiber. They have Project you know, Stadia. They have, uh, you know, their attempts at TV with YouTube. You know, the, the, the company has much more important things to do. Um, it's yeah. expected to kind of have revenue. It, uh, analysts are expecting it to have revenues, report revenues on the fourth quarter of like $46.9 billion. Jeez. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, 40, <laughs> almost 50 billion a quarter. Right. I mean, these are big companies with huge war chests. Even Apple, I think there are points in the year where Apple has more cash on hand than the federal government. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, this is a very exclusive club. Now, granted, it should give some of us who, who you know, who are ambiguous of big and those of us that hate big pause. This is a big company. You know, they're, you know, to think that they're not going to have their fingers on the scale during this election year. Pff, forget about it. Now, this is a big right. company. This <laughs> is a really big company. I, and I, I think we, we, uh, we don't, we, we, we fool ourselves when we kind of take the, autistic libertarian view like oh, it's a private company it's like, yeah it's, you know private companies can become for lack of a better word states too and they become they can also within their ecosystem become repressive repressive regimes as well um but you know but again congratulations to google i'm still a google fanboy they're big yeah me too um, i'm still scared of them um but <laughs> um i love google maps and i love you know, YouTube. And I love all their services that make my life easier. Um, and and um, well-deserved. I mean, these, God, these tech companies, man, these are like 
the Carnegies and Standard Oils of our time. Uh, except the natural resource they seem to be extracting is us. Um, or our information. Or right? our information, right? The exhaust, a thing, if here's a deal, and a near limitless, unexhaustible fuel source for these, that's true, for their machine learning models and all that stuff. And like Google was the first on this, man. And like, again, and a lot of the things that we talked about over the last decade and stuff came out of research from these big companies, um, particularly Google, right? Toward the latter part of the decade, more Amazon, Microsoft. Um, Facebook and the and the mix. Um, speaking of Facebook, Facebook is eh, a couple. It's still like four hundred and the five hundred. I think they're four hundred billion dollars away from um, their market capitalization reached a trillion. They'll get there once they get to this rough patch they're going through. Um, basically, when the election's done, because yeah. you know Facebook's doing amazing things as well, and you know I I don't like them, but. If they did come calling, I would go across the street and work for them in a heartbeat. All right. So, mm -hmm. last story. What the F is ATSC 3.0? Yeah, what is it? Uh, uh, up, to, up till the pre-show, I had not heard of this, but uh, uh, yeah, intriguing. No, I, this was a hat tip to freaking Ryan who brought this up under the auspices of the fact that like it's a new, we're going to have to buy new hardware associated with this. <laughs> Um, yeah. we're not going to need to buy new antennas but we'll definitely need to buy new hardware in the sense like set top boxes or these new uh, ATSC 3.0 uh, receivers need to be installed in TVs so here's what the new standard is um, basically it's a update to the uh, ATSC 1.0 standard which gave us digital television HD over the air broadcasting um, and it also gave us I think it, I think it just gave us um, it gave us surround sound. I don't think it gave us any Dolby Digital. Some some signals I think do give you Dolby Digital. I I decoded it from once or twice when the antenna is in the right angle and I'm I'm on the right source. But what the new standard is going to bring you is better reception, obviously, um, um, 4K HDR video support over the air, ladies and gentlemen, Whoa. as well as Dolby Atmos and DTS X support over the air, um, the ability to possibly stream to mobile devices and automobiles, um, on-demand video support. Whoa. And the standard also offers an aspect of targeted advertising because I assume GPS would be a extremely uh, important aspect to delivery of not only just targeted advertising, but just better signal reception. Um, some of the 5G technologies do do rely on its spatial position to get the best reception and to get the superior bit rates or, you know, data rates. Um, so, yeah, um, the standard is not compatible with the existing 1.0 tuners, as is always the case. So if you have these converter boxes, DVRs, or even a TV at this year's CES, <laughs> right, there's a distinct possibility that you will not have the new AT. SC 3.0 receivers installed. Um, when you really break down what this is supposed to do, um, it's it's IP based, so it's basically packet, almost packet radio like. Um, so this is why we're going to get these these cool features and stuff like that. So the ability, you know, if they're going to find an, a way to stream uncompressed or at least compressed over the air 25 megabits per second which is kind of what you need now to stream 4k um this is going to be this is going to be pretty cool um as for its rollout in available markets um not quite yet if you go to this to the standard bodies website uh, atsc.org um you get all the you know the the, the you get all the fluff press release about it but then they start breaking down the top 40 markets where the first transitioning stations have been identified dallas fort worth houston san francisco oakland san jose basically silicon valley for lack of a better word phoenix arizona sacramento uh, or not in sacramento but seattle tacoma detroit orlando portland pittsburgh raleigh durham baltimore nashville salt lake city san antonio texas kansas city missouri 
Columbus, Ohio, West Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, and Austin. So in the coming year, you will start seeing some stations in those markets start to transition to this. So even if the even the fact that I think those TVs that, that have this capability will come later in the year, if not at the tail end of the year, it's not 100% sure this year alone, if all things fall in a line, that you will even be able to find these stations. Um, right. The rest of us won't be getting these. They're the next set of uh, stations that they have identified for transitioning. So they're, they're just identifying them. They're not, there's no transitioning happening. Yeah. And, you know, I'm dead last, as always, in the Albuquerque Santa Fe Metro. Um, so I don't know, man. I've talked enough. What do you think of this? Well, it this is a very interesting thing to me. I mean, it, ten year was it ten years ago we killed analog TV, right? Yeah, right, right. I think about two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yes. So here we are, ten years later. Now we're getting ready to kill what the replacement for analog TV was, and and it's amazing to me that you know we had basically the same broadcast technology for what seventy. Almost, what, 80 years, 70, yeah, 80 yeah. years, something like that. Pretty much. And uh, we did away with it. And in 10 years, we've ju- we've done exactly the same thing. Yeah. And um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to watch the chicken or egg kind of thing, you know, because you can't sell the TVs without the programming, but you can't really invest in the conversion to the programming without the TVs out there. So yeah. it's kind of interesting to see how this this ramps. Yeah, we still don't um, have universal 4K adoption. Um, no. You, a lot, I've talked to a lot of people. This is just give me 1080p HDR. It's good enough and for I'm me. And I'm fine. Yeah, it's good enough for me. I'm a geek. So, yeah, I mean, and, and granted, I got like a, 4K t- a massive 4K TV for $280. All right, so let's find me some 4K content. And, you know, I watch it. It's cool. I watch The Irishman and some other stuff. and. Uh, or the latest season of The Crown on Netflix and Dolby Vision. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't see a lot of difference. Um, you know, the best thing I do with 4K content now, as it stands, is like look at YouTube videos of like, you know, drones flying over fjords and you know, like Norway, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Purp- the pur- purpose-built content. Yeah, right? purpose-built content for it, right? Um, so yeah, like it's good to be future future ready right because it's the same thing i mean kind of to dovetail back to the ces like there's already like um 5g modem you know home modems now right we don't even have full 5g deployed and what type of 5g are we going to use the low band the mid band the millimeter wave band um yeah and they're building them into these new these routers and these mesh routers mesh wi-fi routers it's just like but there's there's no there's not a whole lot of true 5g as specified in the spec out there other than maybe t-mobile's really low band stuff it's just you know a more advanced low lower latency lte but you know they're just pushing this stuff so maybe just maybe but i don't see myself anytime soon getting my uh samsung 8k o uh hdr oled tv with a atsc 3.0 like you know <laughs> receiver that, you ro- that you can roll up around yeah, that i can roll up <laughs> right in the next room and store then, right? in a closet right <laughs> right or, or you know as i roll up put it in the closet and i you know wait for my you know hyundai <laughs> uber helicopter to pick me up and take me to work <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> what a world i mean we do live what in the future but i'm but I'm 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 not seeing. Well, and I I have to wonder sometimes, you know, at what point do we hit that limit where humanity steps in and says, or or you know, the the human experience steps in and goes, guys, this is this is enough. <laughs> Only you know, us. We've we've. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember watching a, a, a what was it? God. Uh, Four or five years ago, I can't remember. I'll have to look it up and send it to you. But there was a company that put together a 20, it was like a 20 minute short film demonstration of the highest resolution thing. It it basically made IMAX look like a black and white TV, right? I mean, this thing was so incredibly high resolution. 
that they, when they played it for the audience, the audience got into it so deep. A lot of people got sick, like an inordinate amount of people got sick watching this thing because their brains couldn't process the information that was being thrown at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to wonder, you know, where do, where is that line or, or are we evolving quickly enough to just handle it? I think we're evolving. I don't know. We'll evolve to handle it. Um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's funny you say IMAX. Um, I think IMAX is getting into the certification game the audio video certification game. So now you can buy IMAX enhanced enabled devices um, that are certified IMAX enabled, i.e. they're going to be different resolution, uh, um, not even high resolution. It'll maintain the same resolution, but they're doing other things to the picture. Um, The aspect ratio is slightly different and the audio is slightly different, Um, but it's a certification that there's, so now you have DTS, um, uh, THX, um, um, Dolby, uh, was it uh, Dolby? All the Dobies, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And now you have IMAX. Um, now is going to be a, a certification that you get. So, hmm. and so I mean, the pictures are going to get better. Um, I'm just happy to have 4K, and most people are literally just happy to have 1080p, right? Um, I'm, you know, I may be going to Africa hmm. here in April. Um, and I tend to remember five years ago when I went to Africa and looked at TV, first of all, like everyone has flat screen TVs now, you know, 2015, um, it, there's something to be said, right? Cause everything was standard deaf and terrible. There's something to be said when I came back home and sat in front of my TV and turned it on and like, holy cow, the amount of detail I saw where it's just like, wow, like that's really what we were a decade ago. We didn't right. get, we didn't get our first HD tv until 2007 um and it then it was only 1080 it was it was 1080i so 720p and mm-hmm. i was and now i mean i'm mad if the bit rate isn't high enough to maintain 720p or like 1080p like i'm throwing a hissy fit They're like why is this streaming all effed up you know <laughs> yeah, you know and yeah there's we just evolve over time and 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 we and when we regress, we're just like God. This looks like garbage, right? And then you go back, <laughs> you, ah, or you like, or you go somewhere where it's garbage for a long time, and you come back to what you're normally accustomed to, and it's like, whoa. So yes, I think we will ultimately evolve, okay, and love these things. So with yeah. that said, guys, we've uh, I think we've run our course with our rantings and ravings here. You got anything else, man, Gary? No, no, just wish me luck finishing getting my uh home network and security camera installation going. Uh, we will pray to the we will pray to the network gods. Um and also uh the stack overflow gods and the Google gods because inevitably you'll have to go there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and uh all right, well I'm Nick Way as always, and you can find me at Nick Way on Twitter. Um at Liberty Brews there for Gary, right? Yeah, and we're working on maybe getting ourselves a Twitter presence for the show and possibly even a Facebook page, but we don't know yet. All right. Well, that's been us, ladies and gents. Thank you for logging in and thank you for your servers.